1: You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game.
0: This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody.
1: Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game today. I am beard-free, both on my face and in partnership. Kyle Hawk got the COVID. Uh- He's out. So, got a pretty good uh, pinch hitter for him here, Mr. Ryan Matheson from Glovebox. I'm sure nobody knows who that guy is.
2: No, nah, man, unknown at this point, but uh, <laughs> hey, appreciate you having me. Kyle Kyle might be in trouble. So,
1: Yeah, he well, look, you know, he he lives day to day with me. We'll see if he passes, you know, <laughs> passes today in my favor. There you go. And then also, I mean, I feel like I got two guests, but you know, Ryan, you don't really count cuz you've already been on as a guest before. So you're your guest host at this point, you'll actually show up in the artwork as a guest host.
2: Yes, so. thank God, nice. man. Wait till you yeah. get the coffee mug, man.
1: The coffee mug is the clutch. <laughs> part,
2: <right? laughs> I've got my
3: uh mod advisor one right now, so <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah <he's- laughs> we gave out the rest of those yesterday. And our guest today is Mr. Zach oh. Mefford from Zip Bonds, amongst other things. And we're just gonna shoot the pre. Man, I can't even imagine the insure tech talk that's gonna come out of this conversation. It's insane. Wow.
3: Well, I'm excited for it. I'm glad that we don't have a whole uh, agenda because that's usually where the best conversation. Oh,
1: never an agenda, man. If you if you ever listen to my podcast and think there's an agenda, then you're just as warped in the head as what I am because we, <laughs> we we're grip and rip hundred percent of the time. We you never. You can always anything. tell
2: when podcasts have agendas. It's like, all right, now we're moving on to this segment, right. which is you know this. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not my style, but hey, oh. to each their own.
1: No, I think that people, I think people by and large, that's why we do the shop talks on Friday, right? So we drop the shop talk because that's practical stuff, you know, very short, go do this and you can make a difference in your business. But the interview ones, you just got to see where the questions take you, man. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. At least I'm not Ryan Hanley. I warned you guys when I was going to start recording. When you go on Hanley's podcast, you can be talking to him for 20 <laughs> minutes, and he's been recording the whole time, and you have no idea.
3: I've, I've experienced this for <laughs> like, our,
2: <a> <laughs> like our pre-conversation, man. We had uh, Jason Cass on Season uh, Assist a couple weeks ago, and we could have talked to that guy for two and a half hours, man. <laughs> we were just we were on a roll. Did but.
3: you see? Uh, did you see that? I'm on. It's uh, Hanley and I for the uh, Fantasy Football and SureTech Championship. Oh, God, yes. You did see that at all?
2: <laughs> that is awesome. I probably COVID just has to hit Northern
3: New York, and I'll be fine, because you know, he's stacked with Bills players.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Bills, man. They're on the rise, though. I like the Bills right now. They yeah. finally got it together. I'm a little worried it about It seems that.
1: like it, man. I mean, they crushed Tampa when they were down here. I mean, we won the game, but we didn't deserve to win it. We destroyed them for the first half and then fell asleep.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's going to be Pat's Bills in the AFC Championship. Maybe the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs are on the rise. We'll see. But I think the Bills will – I like Josh Allen, man. I, I, was Selfishly, I want a Josh Allen impersonator in Denver. We have had a, we've had a brutal run. Yes,
3: you have. So <laughs>
1: he, uh, yeah. He was interesting to watch him, man, because I don't really follow the Bills at all. So I didn't know much about him other than he racks up fantasy points like nobody's business. And I don't have him there either. But to just watch him how he played in a dude that, that that's that big. He's just a he's a freak to be able to run the way that he is. He's like six five, six six, and he's he's
2: built. Yeah. It's interesting to see the spectrum of quarterbacks right now. You've got uh uh, the guy of Arizona, what's his name, Kyler Murray? Yeah, Murray. Yeah. he can't. Be, he can't be six foot, five eleven. No. No, he's, <laughs> he's, he's like good.
1: Doug Flutie, but can run. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's crazy to see. Well, as an Iowa State
3: fan, we, we obviously played against him in Oklahoma. So, I mean, uh, having to yes. see that guy run around and try to chase him and catch him, it's impossible. I was. I'm actually a little surprised to see how well he has done with his with his size, but you know. It's me as well. You got the San
2: Diego quarterback, I mean that guy is he'll pure pocket. If he gets out of the pocket, it's scary <laughs> to watch him run. It's like yeah.
1: Well, it's like Brady. Yeah. Like exactly. you can literally hear an audible gasp in the stadium <laughs> yeah. when Brady takes off to run. Yeah. It's I mean seriously. You can see the
2: level of respect that Brady's earned, though, in the league because nobody hits him that hard. Yeah, they're not pounding and like, him. Uh-uh. And everybody helps him up. It's so yeah. like, you don't get that anywhere else. Like, he well, that's because and
1: Sue plays for the Bucks. because if he didn't, then he would yeah. be that guy.
2: Got it. Right. Got it. Yeah, when he was in Detroit, man, game on.
1: <laughs> that guy was na- – I bet he's nasty to his own grandmother at Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, he was known as being a bit dirty for a while there. Yeah, he oh. was. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's again- – he's did he stomp on some guy's face? Yeah. 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 He got <laughs> suspended a couple times for, for whatever. Like I draw the line at spitting, right? When you spit on other players, like Bart Scott did that and a couple other people. Yeah. Like that to me, that I'm gonna probably go to jail if you spit on me. If or I what was, about that
2: magical like taking your helmet off and hitting that uh Pittsburgh backup quarterback last year? Yeah. That was, was that, uh, <laughs> that was Miles
3: awesome. Garrett. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see uh, Nanami Kansu and in, uh, Richie Incognito, like MMA fight. That's what I'd really like to see. Set that up. See those That would guys. be nice. <laughs> yeah.
2: I think I feel like there's a lot of uh, room for NFL dirty players in the UFC. Like There's just room for well, people. I mean, Greg
1: to- Hardy's yeah. already there. So. Hardy yeah.
2: got rocked his last fight. I think everybody loved it.
1: <laughs> it especially his ex-wife or ex-girlfriend or whoever. I mean, yeah, is that he why he's out in the rocked. NFL?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's why he's out of the NFL. I mean, he's was- like
1: a lower-profile Ray Rice.
2: Absolutely. Just because it was on audio and not video. I mean, it's the only reason he's in the UFC, but yeah, he got rocked his last fight.
1: (laughs) It's amazing to me, man, that you got certain things that are just irrecoverable, right? And look, I realize I'm dancing on very dangerous ground when I say this, so please understand where it's coming from. I just don't understand how we can forgive some of the crap that we see happen. Yeah, And a guy like Ray Rice that makes a mistake I'm not going to I do not condone anything that he did. My god, it was on video and it was horrific yeah. to watch. Does he really deserve to re- lose his entire career over that?
2: It's interesting how they uh separate things that that weren't on video, right? Look at Tyree Kill and what he's allegedly done with his kids and wife and her girlfriend or whatever it is. Uh the running back for the Browns the as well, haunt, yeah. right? Yep. Hunt, yeah, they're still in the league. Well,
1: Adrian Peterson got in trouble for whacking his kid with a switch. Yeah, but he didn't lose his whole career over it. Yeah, it's I,
2: I, it's an I, don't,
3: I, I, I don't really want to jump on that grenade. Say, but like, you watched that video with Ray Rice, like I, I, it's horrible. I have a hard time. But, but put
1: him in jail, like like punish him yeah, criminally for agreed, it. It's like, I mean, yeah. if
3: you're in jail, you're not playing football either during your prime, you know, years, right? Like for for what he did, and, and then the amount of time uh, any running back has uh, for shelf life in the NFL. You know, that, that would be the real punishment, right? Like actually punish him for the crime that he did and then in the process loses his career because of it, you know? Yeah,
1: I mean, look, in a sick and twisted way, like how much is, is it worse to say, wow, if Ray Rice wouldn't have beat his girlfriend, what could he have been, right? Like, but give him that window after the fact when he would have been in his prime. That's like living in hell. Or
2: if it was only on audio or it was just, you know, hearsay maybe. Like, yeah, it's crazy. He would have been in the league still if it wasn't on video for sure. Uh, that's how the NFL works. It's terrible, you know?
1: Well, in yeah, it's just a completely different way of how they hand down discipline, you know, with especially since Goodell's been there, but that's not, we're here to talk about yeah, yeah. We could go all day about the, the merit. I mean, look, we could even bring up Ray Lewis. You really want to get polar about something. Bring up Ray Lewis. This guy's a yeah. Hall of Famer at this point, right?
2: Absolutely. Right. Now he's, now he's a hero. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't blame somebody it somebody needs C- to
1: hire his PR guy.
2: I don't, uh, I, I don't put it all on CTE, of course, but CTE is real for sure. My my neighbor played for uh, the Seahawks for a while, won an uh, AFC championship ring with them, um, and he upped one day and robbed two banks, and now he's in jail, like just randomly. Didn't need the money. Super normal guy, just all of a sudden upped and robbed two banks at gunpoint, just because, just for no other reason. Like, you
1: know what, odd, man? I think the best. Here. I think the best example, and it's not necessarily that this is provable, but I feel like this is – so understand, people, there's no scientific evidence of this that I'm aware of. This is just my observations and opinions. Look at how far Anthony Brown fell off the deep end after he had that nasty concussion hit. Yep. Like that's a defining moment in that dude's career. He was not a diva. He was a normal team player, loved Ben Roethlisberger, everything. He got crushed coming across the middle, was out for a while with that concussion, and then his life just started falling apart.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, the
1: whole Dancing with the Stars thing is unexcusable. Like, why would he ever even go on that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's definitely an A to B, you know, logic behind it. Like, you can only get hit in the head so many times or hard enough to where... It's going to start affecting you in, in certain ways but yeah i'm not blaming it on that but i'm saying there is there's some pretty significant correlation there it's it's yeah i think understand.
1: i think it is yeah yeah so zach real quick give every get everybody up to speed what's your what's your background story how'd you get to zip bonds i yeah. mean i know you have an agency and some other stuff you guys are doing give them the the ten thousand foot overview and then sure. let's just dive in and start talking shop
3: yeah yeah sure so um much like you did did some retail Right. Um, oh, you know, nice. They came from that background, right? That was my big thing. Got tired of working. The what hours. did you do? What What kind of retail? I, there, there's, I mean, so many things. Sold shoes. Oh, okay. Women's shoes, that. right? Yeah. A women's shoes. Uh, my, my main <laughs> thing, store manager though, at Jimmy <laughs> Choo. <laughs> my my main thing uh, was U.S. Cellular. It's a small. Um, it's like a. It's a you know regional Verizon, if you will. You know, uh, so I did that. Yeah, hated the idea of that I was going to always work on Saturday, Sunday, leaving on Black Friday when I just wanted to get out of it. And so after college, you know, it was a great place to work. I just needed to go do something else. And um, I left, went to Charlotte, been around racing all my life, wanted to go check that scene out, you know. Uh, That's it, a place to do it. Yeah, if I was going to work in NASCAR or some other type yeah. of motorsports thing. I actually started a junk removal business down there while, while I was there. And, um, and my now uh, girlfriend I was trying to get back at the time, now wife, uh, wouldn't move to to Charlotte, so ended up going to uh, going to see about her and went to Chicago. Needed a job, and so I, I wanted to you know be back into a place where I could be an entrepreneur again. When I sold the, the junk business, which is is cool to me at least that it's still in business. The guy who bought it from me is still using it or, or running it, and um, it's going well. But I wanted to learn something that I could eventually turn into being my own uh, business owner. You know, uh, run a business again. And so insurance was just the first place that hired me, right? So I did that did with the whole state farm route decided i didn't like the captive side we started talking about having a family that was when it was time to come back to iowa came a uh, commercial insurance producer at a a decent sized uh shop here in the area and uh was just getting on the phone cold calling you know trying to figure it out and that's you know you talk about where zip came from that was that was really the the start of my frustration with surety uh, was the guy you know starting to write some commercial contractor accounts and I needed to be able to know enough about surety to be able to close those because they wanted all of their stuff in one place. Uh, and, and our agency was competing against other agencies that had a surety division. So there wasn't really a subject matter expert um, that was the producer on those other accounts, but they had a division they could send everything off to. And that's kind of you know, what we've morphed this into. So a lot of what Zip came from is, uh, is really contract surety, especially small contract surety, that, that you know, credit only type system. That's uh, we felt like the process needed to be a lot better, and we needed to do a better job of educating those in in the space. So that's where Zip came from. You know, I I skipped over the part where we started Scratch Agency in 2016. That's still in business.
1: Small detail. Yeah,
3: small detail. Yeah, right. Yeah. So (laughs) no big. And and for for you know the first part of it at least, we were still writing a lot of commercial insurance. Both my business partner Ryan and I, our background for the the most part, wasn't commercial. And so we did that to keep the lights on, but we really wanted to find a model that was, uh, you know, uh, uh, scalable uh, in a way that we had seen it done at the shop that we left. Um, they, they still do something like 50, 60 percent of the malpractice insurance for chiropractors in the entire country. And so we saw how they, they built that out and said it wouldn't it be cool if we kind of, you know, hitch our wagon to an affinity and do the same thing, which, which uh, of course we did with credit unions. And so Coverage Direct now is 100% focused on building out turnkey platforms for credit unions. That's, that's, that's all they do. And I couldn't tell you much of what's going on over there anymore because the whole focus of my, uh, you know, at least the end of 21 has been zip. We're going to build this out. So that's interesting, man. Like, so
1: Coverage Directs your agency, and you've built that agency servicing credit unions it's channel partners, referral, just referral partners. Do you like actually have formalized joint ventures that you use when you, when you engage with them?
3: So it's the latter, but I'll tell you, it wasn't really clear uh, how it was going to get started. So we had the opportunity. Yeah, it never is. Right? Sure. right. And I think that's the thing that most people don't talk about is they, they assume like, Oh, one day they figured it out and everything was just good to go, you know? And that's just, it's not the case. So um, it, it really just, I, I asked the question, you know, why don't you have an agency? We were writing a lot of business for this one particular credit union Fourth largest uh, in the state of Iowa, and the top three and five and six all had agencies, and they didn't. So I just asked why, uh, and I got us a, a conversation with the CFO, and uh, you know, jokingly we tell him it took him two years to finally decide that he wanted to work with us, but it was it was pretty close to that. And then it was it was a partnership where we were running coverage direct, direct to consumer, separate from what we built out for them. And then it just became too confusing, and it was causing a lot of problems. So we rolled a direct to consumer side of what we have with coverage direct that book into what they were doing at, at Collins, and then um, it's actually just changing now. We're going to create what's called a that's a, a credit union service organization, that helps uh, you know credit unions invest in ways that they're otherwise you know sometimes limited to um, for you know regulated, re- regulation.
1: Yeah, it's a different set of rules that they play by uh, compared to traditional banks too, like the insurability levels of the of the deposits you make are are not as much and just some other regulatory stuff. I actually sat next to a dude from CUNA Mutual at a CIC update one time, and that's all they do is insure credit unions. He was an interesting guy. Yeah, that whole model is different. I mean,
3: they do a lot of stuff where they they sort of compete against all of us in the direct consumer where they're trying to do PNC. They do life really well. They do some PNC. Uh, The majority of that ends up going to Liberty Mutual. You know, so depending on if that's competitive in your state, it can be... Yeah, a,
1: by the way, Liberty Mutual, king of the affinity program. Like,
3: <laughs> and acquiring other
1: carriers, apparently. Did you graduate from Burns Junior High School? We have an affinity program where you yeah, can right. save on your auto. And I mean, we you get buy, so many things in the mail, and it's all backed by Liberty. Yeah. You make spaghetti I mean, on a Wednesday, you're part of the affinity program. <laughs> yeah, <in my> <laughs> <laughs> seriously, man. Yeah. <laughs> They've got one for everything. That Zach, how do you like working right. with... Uh, yeah. So
3: that's what they do um, a lot of in our, at least what we've seen, they don't do a ton of that with the PNC side, what they have, but that was kind of the, the you know, uh, I guess the opportunity is the fact that we were able to bring different carriers and a different mindset of how we could sell and help them, you know, provide great coverage to their, to their members. And uh, it's worked out really well. And now we've just, you know, built that model out as more or less a rinse and repeat, if you will, white label product and, and doing that as a, you know, best in class sales and service center. So it's, it's a call center type of environment that we've set up there. And, um, you know, my business partner Ryan has been handling most of that and, and running with that. He's transitioned over here a little bit. We've got some great leaders now that are, are taking that to the next level. But yeah, I mean, that was, um, but one of the things that we figured out our AMS issue that we were having and the heavy lift there was done. I was like, okay, this surety thing's been bothering us for a while. And, and we saw, you know, we believe it was an opportunity because we tried to find a solution and at the time. This was, you know, middle of 19, there was nothing out there that really fit what we were trying to do, which was, how do we fix the problem of helping someone get qualified for in a better, you know, faster way for, especially in the small contract side, but then if it doesn't fit for whatever reason, credit or, you know, years of experience or just the the scope of work of the project, how do we then make that a really easy transition into what would be a brokered process where you, instead of having to re-explain everything all over again and filling out another application or going through the whole process and waiting on somebody else to, you know, when we get to it, how can we speed that up and make that a better you know, process for the contractor directly? And in the process, how do we also help agents who maybe are in the place I was in 2013, 14, whatever it was, that I needed that bond departments in our agency that we didn't have access to. So um, that's really the, the start of Zip and where it came from.
1: Yeah. So the bonding thing has always been interesting to me. Because there's agencies out there that do nothing but, and that just is well, crazy. The, to th-
2: the commission levels are so good on bonds. Oh, listen, keep, man, like, I wrote I wrote I've a bond line commission on a bond like it's all day.
1: Yeah, I wrote a bond for a massive electrical contractor, a bond line with Zurich. Yeah, massive electrical contractor who had the contract to run all of the electrical in any new construction IKEAs nationwide. Which, by the way. It would blow your mind how much electricity is in an IKEA. I'm sure. Um, it's yeah. <laughs> and they also had a contract for uh, uh, doing the electrical work on bridges. But anyhow, all I know is my commission for the agency off yeah. of that bond line was like $130,000. Just one bond line. Yeah. And by the way, ask me how much work I had to do to service that. Like yeah, none. None.
2: You issue the bond and you're done.
1: But the problem is, in where I think you know, companies like Zip come into play. Is not that like you? You need to you need to work that. You can't. That, that's not something that can be automated. You're not going to go get a multi million dollar bond line that requires right. financials and right. like I look. I got that deal done in a way that I'm not proud of. I actually <laughs> this will be great <laughs> podcast material. But I actually found out who the regional VP for Zurich was, and I didn't realize it. But he worked out at the same YMCA that I was working out at at the time, <laughs> and I literally followed him into the locker room nice stop stop short of the shower yeah did you corner him what happened yeah (laughs) Yeah, and like slowly slowly was pretending like i was getting dressed to work out when my only deal was i needed to get a contract with them so that i could put this bond deal together so (laughs) people it's not always it's not always you know flowery how you get deals done you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes and so yeah i stalked this guy but you know, it's that nuisance stuff, man. It's the small bonds that every agency has to do, but, like, I don't want to have to deal with, yeah. you know, the, these licensing well, you, bonds and all you that. You don't want to
3: do it, and neither does your team, right? And and the, the problem that we were having is, you know, a lot of these things, it just didn't make sense as to why we were being told no when we first started, you know, uh, trying to write these. It's like, well, you know, they, they've only been in business for a year. Okay, but well, they, they've been doing work for 10 years, right. you know, or the – the, Credit, it's real close, but not quite there. Yeah, well, they also have X in, in the bank account. It was never really a uh, a true credit-only process for us, at least in our experience, you know. And, and and so to your point of getting those bigger ones, those are great. But a lot of what we set out to solve is just the the, the smaller ones, the ones that you know just take up time. You can't be a subject matter expert. You get frustrated if they get told no. You don't have somebody going to bat for you. That's what we wanted to fix for ourselves, and in the way that we did it, you know, just happened to be that we could also help agents um, along the way. Well, if well, you don't I'll do it, somebody else
2: is going to do it, and they're going to steal your other business as well. So they're going to go and shop at well, that's, the and, and,
3: and, yeah. and Ryan, you're right. That's the thing too. And the other thing that I, I really hope that people that are hearing this, especially green producers, because you know I wish somebody would have talked to me about this and use this as a different angle to kind of get that wedge in. You know, if you lead with surety or find a way to help people get. Um, access to a bonding capacity that they didn't have prior or yep. let them at least know that they can yep. be bonded because a lot of them don't, that's stickier than anything else. So even if you lose the PNC, you're likely not going to lose the surety and you're probably not going to lose the PNC because they care more about being able to continue to do that uh, more so than they do about you know what the other guy is bringing in for a, for a cost savings on the PNC side.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's interesting to see how sticky the bonding really is because I've had some really good middle market accounts that I've picked up and I've never been able to get the bonding to move. And I mean, it's not look, I follow people into locker rooms to get bonding <laughs> yeah. done. So You're following them
2: into Chili's on a Friday night. Like hey, yeah. let me buy you a baby beer and let's let's chat.
3: Yeah, but I mean Yeah, at a certain Go ahead, Zach. A certain size. You are really at a certain size, you really know a ton about that person and it's it's one of those processes that's not a lot of fun to right. go through. And, and you almost feel vulnerable. Like they've literally know everything about my financial situation. They know, you know, what I've been through and all this. It's like that 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 hassle of trying to figure out how to get through that with somebody else again just probably isn't worth it. Regardless, even if you know, the rates different, right? That's just not something most people are willing to do.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree hundred percent. What what I like about where where you guys are headed and, and with the automation of all of this and just being able to go on and do quote bind issue bonds people listen by the way if you're a producer and you're new i'm getting ready to give you absolute gold so turn it up and take some like notes
2: you turn out gold all day though so this is not like a one-off man like, <laughs> no this is a one-off
1: man this is a good one this is an actual strategy that i've used in the past and, and it works well but one of the things you can do is you can find these contractor schools right so we've got a bunch of them here in tampa and they go through the school to become a licensed plumber or a GC or electrician, and the first thing they need is a license bond and a permit bond. They're not expensive bonds, man. They're a pain in the rear end. I mean, not a pain. It's just, it's, it's just you have to stop what you're doing to fill out the application for minimal money is really what it is. You know, you could you make decent money doing it? Yeah, you're gonna make like 30 bucks a bond. Can I turn four of them an hour to make 120 bucks? Why would I do that when my hourly rate's like $500 to produce right. middle market? It's, it's just not a good business That's decision. It. So, you know, what I did was I have partnered with a couple of those contractor schools here in Tampa and I'll go out and I will absolutely no sales pitch whatsoever, but I'll give them an hour on insurance and risk management as they're going into business just to teach them and then boom. Now they can buy their bonding from me. And once we get that in, once and, and I'm in Zach, I'll be interested to hear how your how your back-end process works as far as this goes. But the way that it's set up in my agency right now is we'll get an email notification that has all the information we need about the the bond they bought, name, email, blah, 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 blah. We we use a parser, we pull that information out and we push it in to create the contact record inside HubSpot. And we're immediately remarketing to them for their PNC lines because we know that if they don't have a bond, they don't have insurance yet. and so we're getting the auto we're getting the gl and the umbrella and everything else and then we flip around and we market to them for their personal lines as well so when i look at this stuff man a lot of times people probably look at things like the 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 nuisance bonds is what we call them zach and i don't want to hurt your feelings with that but you know the nuisance bonds in the agency world but it's also like what we do here with wedding insurance right people think i'm nuts because i've got i own florida wedding insurance well what's not nuts (laughs) What's not nuts is the fact that it's over a hundred thousand dollar revenue stream of passive income that goes directly into my pocket every year. Yep, right. Yeah. But more importantly, we spend $150 a month in Google ads to push traffic to a landing page. So people can buy wedding insurance through passive revenue. And guess what? As long as I'm not spending more for my ad revenues than I am making in revenue, then I'm cash flow positive on my ad spend, right? I'm getting paid for leads. I don't view the wedding insurance as the revenue stream. It's nice that it's there, but what I really want is to be able to retarget and market to these people for their home, auto, yeah. life. I well, gotta combine disability. all their
2: policies into one account because they're getting married. So perfect. Yeah, perfect. it would be nice. awesome
1: if there was like a mobile app or something that I could just start this process in and then. Weird. Oh,
2: <laughs> That'd be crazy. I wonder if one of those exists. It's not. It's it's, it's a project to say the least. Uh, Zach, I wanted to go back to something you were talking about, which uh, we used to use when we marketed commercial um, with with contractors. And especially as competitive as the contractor market is right now, you can't find a contractor if you're looking to renovate your house, your business, like it's impossible. My father-in-law is trying to do a build out on a um, uh, a 24-hour ER um, site that he's setting up. Can't find a contractor to save his life. If you're helping these contractors get higher bond limits so they can take higher jobs or better jobs, bigger jobs. Now you're bringing revenue into their pocket. You're creating revenue through the bond, which is beautiful. We used to pitch that all the time. (laughs) So,
3: yeah. So I, I mean, in my, my pitch when I went out there is, you know, just figure out, first of all, what did I want to go after? And it happened to be a contractors just were a niche that I liked. So, um, you know, it it worked there, but when I would add surety to be in part of that, once I kind of figured that out, you know, that's something that they're not used to hearing. And a lot of times the misconception, especially on these, you know, you say middle market, but I'll even say like small, not quite sure. middle market ones that are have a, hum, are a tremendous amount of growth potential. They, over, they they think it's more complicated than it is. It's it's, it's more complicated than uh, the time is worth uh, for them to figure out what their bonding capacity is. So, so what we created with what we call our zip score is a way in here in the API, I wish it were right there. And, and Brian, maybe after this, we could talk about, you know, some of the complications we're running into that, but it should be done here relatively soon where you can put that in to your website branded to you you know it's a hyperlink you go in there and then you go prospect with those you know contractors you believe maybe haven't ever had yep. a bond before and within 90 seconds you can get them pre-qualified for up to $750,000 of bond yep. capacity that that is what i would have loved to have had when i was that a green producer trying to go out and say something that was different to open up these different accounts because even if you didn't get the pnc right away to your point david at the, with the wedding insurance i mean that's still a way to get them initially on you know start marketing to them and then what we're going to do is help them find those projects you know by the way i noticed this you know rfp just came out within 25 miles of where you're at you know it's well within your body pass so you might want to take a look at that now you're providing value outside that's a great of idea that's man yeah. that's,
1: that's huge david let me ask
2: you a so that's that's let me ask you a question david yep. uh that? for carruthers so i mean there's so many good marketing ideas right there's so many ways that you can skin a cat that, you know you lead with the work comp which is beautiful zach you lead with the bonds how, how do producers choose which avenues to really bust their ass and go market to? Because you can't overspread yourself, right? That's what we preach nah. at our agency. People would pick five, six, seven different marketing strategies, and you're a jack of all trades. You're not good at one thing. How do you pick?
1: Yeah, so I look at this two different ways. Um, the, the first way that I look at it is – what do I have the most information on? What can I get the most information on in public domain to be the most educated on people who fit in that class of business? And I'll tell you a story about where that came from. And I'm glad to know that I have you fooled too that I lead with workers comp because the whole country thinks that and that's a really dangerous supposition for people to make when I'm calling on their accounts. I love it. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm busting your chops. But, um, but, but to my point, that's why we do, I do like to lead with comp right now because yep. I've got so much at my fingertips from the state of Florida that I can get from the Department of Financial Services website that when I combine that with NCCI's risk workstation, I know everything about that account. Is, is as far as the, the profile, the risk profile from a worker's comp standpoint, SANS loss runs to, to validate what an experience mod is or anything. So that's one of the reasons why it's much easier to pick up the phone to call somebody when you have information that's immediately relevant to them, whether their mods above one and I wanna bring that up or another thing that we do, again, here comes some gold producers, is we go into the NCCI Risk Workstation website and a lot of people, so here's a hack if you're into workers comp, a lot of people, a lot of states are moving to that kind of unified reporting platform where when you go in to check to, to do coverage verification. I forget the name of the provider, but it basically says, as of this date, which is the date that you're on, this company has workers' compensation in effect with this carrier. But it doesn't tell you what the X date is on the policy, but now you know who the carrier is. So if you go to Risk Workstation, the rating effective date is in there. If you just type the company name in, you don't have to pull the mod, but the rating effective date shows up. Now you know what the X date is. And you can go to that template that's at the top, there's a button at the top right to click subscribe to notifications. And you can do that in perpetuity. So a great way to build a lead stream, if you want to lead with workers comp is to go in and everybody that that you pull from your leads list, when you create it, subscribe to those notifications in NCCI every night at eight o'clock I get an email from NCCI, and the entire bottom half of it is every company whose mod has changed in the, the last twenty-four leads, hours.
2: Gold leads being dumped in your inbox. Every yeah. Single so day. now,
1: now, now here, here I am. Right. The next morning, I get up. What am I going to do? Me and my producers are going to call everybody on that list, and people will say, "Well, what if their what if their mod's good?" good then I can be the guy that can be the first person to congratulate them on their new mod because their agent's still in bed, yeah, (laughs) right? And so it doesn't matter. We get caught up so many times in the details and we create situations when you just need to just do it. Just do it and trust the process. And so bad mod, we can talk to them about it. Good mod, we can congratulate them. But any day, it's a touch point, people, and you have more information. When I look at things like the bonding and the wedding insurance and all of that, it's never to close the deal. All I want to do is get that information into my CRM. the the reason i do it the way that i do it is because i don't have to pay to get the information in my crm i can get paid for it which is a better idea hello loyal listeners hey are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client maybe you maybe not look no further than nation brokerage solutions with over 200 carriers their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers ever-changing needs with NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, AK agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about nationwide brokerage solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. But the other thing is, you know, for people who want to figure out what they're going to what they're going to lead with and what they're going to, what verticals they're going to build or whatever. I'm a hundred percent consistent in this advice. I've been giving it for years. And some people listen, some people don't. The people who listen usually call me back and thank me for it. But we get so caught up in, in the hot list from the marketing people, right? Every, every marketing person that comes into your agency has the hot list. I don't want the hot list. That's what everybody else is writing. Yeah. you know. Yeah. If that's what everybody else is writing, I want to go the completely different direction. Yeah. So when I talk to producers, I tell them they need to have the relationship with the underwriters, not in the cliche way that we have all heard ever since we got into the industry. Oh, you got to build a relationship with your underwriters. No, this is for very selfish reasons, and I'll admit that you need to have the relationship with the underwriter because you want to call your underwriter at every company that you have a dedicated underwriter and you want to ask each one of your underwriters this question what is a class of business that you're really good at really competitive at and never see from anybody else and if you can ask that question and you can get an answer to it you don't ever have to worry about building a leads list again. You're going to build your leads list around that, and you pick off a couple of them, and guess what? Your underwriter is going to start funneling leads to you too. But the other nice part about that is if they don't deliver on terms and conditions or pricing or whatever else, now you can hold them accountable because they're the ones
3: who told you they were good at it. Yep. yep. So you you don't say it that way, but what you just did is you pre-qualified your underwriter before you pre-qualify your prospect before you go on. That. That's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. And, and I hope if there's a green producer, if they, they – Rewind and listen to what you just said about that risk work, uh, workstation and go to NCCI and figure that out. That is exactly how I built a lot of what we did, uh, initially as a, as a commercial producer, it's exact and it works and you don't even have to be that great at, at the pitch. You just have to be consistent and put yeah. in the work. If you can do that and you can do enough contacts yeah. a day, you can't fail. It's impossible. That works so well. And, uh, I, I think that most people might not quite have caught, What that is they need to rewind and listen to that again and figure out what you just said because yeah well i
1: mean it's a matter of what you do with it right you get the list so at that point you do pull the mod you have to pay to do it but we know that the people we're following are within certain parameters so we're not even following anybody in ncci whose total account and and pay attention to this people i'm not talking about workers comp only revenue we project out what we think the total revenue for the account would be so it's not an exact science but we're pretty close but there's nothing under 25,000 of revenue in that list. So I know that if I pay to pull 100 mods, at least 40 of them are going to be 1.0 or higher. So now, if I know that I'm getting 40 of pe- 40 people who are 1.0 or higher of at least 25 grand in total account revenue to the agency, for every $600 I spend, I'm buying a million dollar in revenue opportunity. And, oh, and you're going to yeah. hear agency principals bitch and moan about spending six dollars on a mod because they can't see the forest through the trees. You know, people, if you own an agency and you still worry about what things cost instead yeah. of what things will make you, you need yeah. to shift your mindset, or you're going to be out of business. Yeah, people, are, agency owners yeah.
2: by and large are are pretty terrible at calculating uh, return on investment. Period. They don't they don't do a good job of quantifying uh, their output versus their input. It's very easy if you just sit down and look at it um but my thing is when and we'll talk about it the one city world tour we're going to uh do a a whole training on it but you know, this is the time of year where everybody's goal planning, right? The marketing, marketing. How are we going to market? What are we going to do? We're going to do Google AdWords. We're going to do Facebook leads. We're going to go out and see real estate agents and mortgage brokers. And we're going to go. And my
1: favorite is SEO. We're really going to yeah. double down on our SEO this we're year. We're going to
2: ramp up SEO. We're going to get some, uh, you know, fanny packs like Nick Ayers. We're going to take some photos by the pool. I don't know. The problem <laughs> is people. People oh. have too many ways to market. You don't. My thing is you need 1.25 ways to market. You need your main stick and you need a quarter of another shtick. And that is it. That is all you need to be
3: successful. And then and just be, and be consistent. consistent, put in the work. We talk about this, our team all the time. Like you don't have to be the most yeah. polished. Your pitch doesn't have to be elaborate. You just have to put in the work and be consistent. I talk about our, uh, our, our 50 IPAs a day, income producing activities. You have to do 50 of those a day and have at least 10 meaningful conversations or some sort of contact with those people that you're going after. And that's it. That's all you have to do. It, again, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just continue to put in the work and it'll be there. Why do you think college athletes are typically some of the most sought after people to work in in our space you know they come out of they, they, they just know how to put in the right. work they and know how laser to put in focus and they're not they're not
2: trying to do 10 things yeah. they're trying to do right. one thing and be amazing at it and it's not rocket science but yeah. most people don't have the attention span or the commitment level to focus on one thing and see it through fit you know sink or swim see it through for 90 right. days see it through i've
1: had such a weird phenomenon i mean and this speaks to the point of just being consistent and having one thing so if you follow me on linkedin you never see me post any content about florida risk on linkedin right shame on me for doing that but i'm very very consistent about killing commercial power producer stuff on linkedin yeah and what what has transpired over the last couple of months is i have gotten probably four or five Random uh, LinkedIn messages from controllers, CFOs or risk managers of large middle market accounts in other states that said, hey, we follow you on LinkedIn and we see the information that you're using to train other um, other insurance agents and we're not getting that from our agent right now. And we'd really like to do business with somebody who thinks like you, could you write business in our state or do you have someone in your network that you would recommend that's gonna do the things that you talk about? Now that content has nothing to do with that person yeah. that has consumed it, but right. I consistently put it out and they see me put it out. And so at some point somebody gets interested and they click on it and all of a sudden it's like, wow, this guy's kind of different. He's teaching other agents how to do this. Well, Why aren't I seeing this?
3: There's a there's another thing too, that I could say to that because the consistency part, if you're not great at it, like me, admittedly, I'm not at putting out that content and doing different things. If I'm in charge of it, there's so many great freelancers that you can, you can hire. It's very inexpensive. They can help put you on that agenda and that list and that calendar and get things put, put out there. So if, I think, you know, if you're just honest with yourself and you're not great at it, like, I, like I've had to be just find someone and hire someone to do that for you. And you're right. It doesn't have to be specifically like, you know, Hey, buy this, do that. You know, it's education, but more than anything, it's just top of mind, you know, at least for us, because it's not something you, not everybody needs a bond all the time, but if they're seeing this. I mean, we had one that out just this week said, hey, you know, I just happened to see you in one of the publications here locally that that was out there. And it's because we're pushing out content all the time. We had this bond that came up, uh, decided to give you guys a try. You know, and, and again, it wasn't me doing that all the time, but we have somebody that does that for us because we know that the consistency yeah. is important. When you when you commit to a market
2: strategy, you're not coming in on Monday morning, wondering what the week's gonna look like, right? And it becomes so addicting. It really does. You know, We're notorious for it. We called on mortgage brokers. We built a $100 million personalized book calling on mortgage brokers. That's all we did. Monday through, Monday through Sunday. And you never question your schedule. You never question your week. You're literally trying to create more time to go call more mortgage brokers to get more leads. Like Literally, that's all you do. So when you commit to a strategy and you understand that that strategy is going to be the core of what you're going to execute on a monthly, weekly, daily basis the job becomes second nature at that point. You know exactly what your week's going to look like. You're not guessing where the revenue is going to come from. And it's 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 pure consistency. That's it. 90 days. You give it 90 days. That's it. It's But people have a very hard time committing to it. And that's the number one reason why marketing fails. Marketing is good in any aspect if you just commit to it, period.
3: Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree.
1: Yeah. So, Ryan, you had a good question last time. What else you got in your back pocket for us? Yeah.
2: I want to know, Zach. So you came back to Iowa, dude. How's that, man? So you said you came. Were you in Chicago, or your your girlfriend was in Chicago? How'd that work out? That's a big shift back to Iowa. So,
3: so we, well, I mean, yeah, we met. So you yeah, see, Iowa, Iowa State, State, State stand stuff, up, right? right? Has a good has a good day today. Later at the, yeah. the bowl game, we'll know when this is uh, uh, actually published if they did or not. But um, yeah, I mean, the Charlotte thing was great. I liked being out there. But again, you know, things more important than. Uh, what I was doing at the time. And so Chicago land area, I wasn't really in Chicago, um, in the suburbs. I actually worked in Schaumburg, but, um, it just, it wasn't for me. So going back to Iowa, like I know people give yeah. Iowa a hard time and, and, you know, say it's overlooked. It's the of insurance, and I, 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 I feel like, I feel like it's like it, per capita. There's more people yeah. employed Yep, in Des Moines than, and in the insurance industry than anywhere else in the country. they took over, I think it was from, it was Hartford or Columbus here. Uh, really?
1: Recently. I would have guessed uh, Omaha was up there too.
3: I, it is. But I mean, I think it was always been Columbus, Hartford, Connecticut, and Ohio, Des Moines, man. Iowa. Yeah. So we it was ominous. We were down here. in uh,
2: Des Moines uh, this past summer and went past the nationwide building. And I mean, it was vacant <laughs> and it was crazy. I mean, they yeah. have a whole city it's, block plus.
3: They do. It's a ghost it's town uh, down there a lot right now. Them and the EMC, you know, we have Principal which is one of the largest uh, companies yeah. here uh, that, you know, as far as from the insurance sector. But, yeah, I mean, I, I just like to tell people, you know, when they give us a hard time about Iowa, you know, say, oh, man, you're uh, you're really isolated out there in Iowa. And I like to think of it the fact that we're insulated from a lot of the crap that everyone yeah. else has to deal with. So I, I, I like being in Iowa. I know that seems weird. I enjoyed being down in Tampa here at Iowa and enjoying that weather for a little bit. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it's just the way I'm wired. I, Do you like guys get a lot, a lot of
2: producers coming over from the, um, uh, from the carrier side? And, and what does that look like? for you guys. Do you know a lot of producers would, that make that jump or people that make that jump?
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, that's a good point. Uh, it, there's a joke about the fact that, you know, Nationwide does a really good job of initially training all the people that eventually get hired by either right. the regionals or the insurance agents what that. So yeah, Nationwide does a good job of that for us because they've got a good training program. Uh, but yeah, we do see a lot of that. I think I would say I can speak firsthand to the, the some of the regionals um, have plucked away some of the, the really great talent that's over there, but yeah, we we'll, we'll see we'll see it there. I mean, it's just you're going to see a lot of that in you know uh, any type of industry that has a lot of it going on. I'm sure it's the same thing in Silicon Valley and you know um, with, with tech jobs. It's interesting. It's got to be attractive for
2: carrier people that have that entrepreneurial mindset that that want to jump over to the independent side. I'd love to interview some of them and see what they think of was the was the agent side what you expected because I think there's. Uh, I think there's a big barrier between what carriers think agents do and what they actually do. And it's always a conversation we have on our podcast. Um, I think it's a lot different than what they think it is for sure. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think uh, it's really hard to understand all the stresses of being an entrepreneur, whether it's insurance or anything else without actually doing it. And I think a lot of times people um, aren't able to, you know, get past the fears that they have to be able to take that jump And, and really you know, it's never going to be easy. You just got to do it. I mean, you just have to do it. You you can't overthink it and go do it. And I think the ones that have made the jump will probably tell you that, no, it wasn't exactly what I expected because I thought I was going to be at the, you know, uh, the country club and golfing and going out to all these different mixes or whatnot, you know, and not, you know, worrying at least those first few years about hitting payroll and, you know, uh, making sure all the bills are paid. But those that are actually wired and and can, can be consistent and see it through, will probably say they're really glad that they did because, you know, it's, it's more about being an entrepreneur I think than, than right. anything. It's not it's not just the, um, the, the insurance space. Well, I mean there's a mass
2: exodus right now you know going on in general from people leaving their jobs, finding new jobs. I know Carruthers, you've talked about how you recruit producers. I don't know if you're able to talk about it or not, but you, you told us about it in Chicago. You've got a very specific way that you recruit producers for your team. I don't know if you want to touch on that because I, I thought it was brilliant.
1: Yeah, no, man. I mean, I'd I'd like to tell you it was born out of intelligence. It was actually born out of poverty and street smarts because yeah, when I yeah. launched my agency in my dining room, I didn't have any money, right? Yeah. So I needed to figure out a way to scale the agency without having to pump a bunch of money into it. And I realized pretty quickly that, you know, number one, all of us know that if you have good channel partnerships, regardless of whether it's personal lines, medical, you know, commercial, whatever people referring business into you when you're not having to do anything other than accept that referral is a great way yep. to augment all of the activity you're intentionally doing. You can't rely on it 100% unless you have it dialed in like a lot of people. I mean, think you guys had it pretty dialed in at your agency. But for the average P and C producer that's going out in the middle market, you're just not going to have that kind of volume of referrals coming in. And so I found pretty quickly that if I could help payroll providers Solve a problem, which is pulling business out of a PEO because they needed a comp solution to get the business out of the PEO, that they would refer me more business. And, you know, same thing holds true. IT service providers, you know, they will refer business into me uh, and I refer people to them for managed services, things like that. But I, I finally realized one day these are business to business salespeople. They're calling on people every single day. They don't have residual income in their books of business. So, why don't I show them the path to that? And so really how we recruit now, and I, I can even take it a step further than what you heard me talk about in Chicago, but what I like what I do is I establish a referral relationship. It's for kind of informal but formal at the same time in that we meet once a month for coffee and they are required to bring two booked appointments, period. And I bring two booked appointments with my clients. That does not mean, hey, David, call this guy. He might be expecting your call. I told him maybe you would call sometime next week. It's you're walking me into a conference room with someone who understands why I'm coming there and and has given us an hour or 30 minutes or whatever. And I do the same for them. And we let that ride for three or four months. You know, if they come in and they, if they come to meet with me one month and they don't have any booked appointments, they get a free pass. If they come a second time, they're out. It's really that simple. Yep. It's gotta, it's gotta work both ways. And so, you know, three, four, five months, I'll see how it works. And we'll meet that, you know, meet for a normal meeting and I'll plant the seed and say, you know, Out of curiosity, you're a really good salesperson. I'm I'm wondering why you've chosen to hang your shingle in the payroll industry. I mean, you don't have residual income and you're constantly starting over every year and da 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 da. And, you know, I'll get the standard answers of, well, you know, I make a good living. We get to go on the vacations we want to go. I win good trips from the company. We drive nice cars. If we want to go out and eat, we don't have to worry about putting it on a credit card, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But within 24 hours, every single time, I either get an email or a phone call. Hey man, did you like, I didn't want you to think I wasn't interested, but what, what's the opportunity that you had? So we'll get to, We'll get back together with the specific purpose of talking about that, you know, within a week usually. And I'll pull the reports from our, our system to see what we've closed that they walked us into. And so, you know, we'll be four or five months into the relationship and I'll walk in and we will have closed like $200,000 worth of revenue that they've referred in. And I can show them that and say, if you would if you worked in our agency, you would have made eighty thousand dollars over the course of the last four or five months. Is that the income that you're used to making? sling and payroll? And it's never the income that right. they're making slinging payroll. Yeah. that might be close to their annual or maybe just a hair under it. And so they become they're interested in it at that point. And so I ask them, tell me what you want and tell me what you need. I can we can map what you need and get that taken care of. And then it's up to you to earn what you want. I'll give you the vessel to go get it, but that's on you. I'm not going to just give you your wants. That's for right. you to earn. And so we keep everything inside a HubSpot. We have been tracking them as referral sources from day one. We continue to do that. And when the, the revenue commissions equal what their need was to leave, I make them a formal job offer to come in and they'll come work with us, and then I'll hand them the book of business that they referred to us. I have zero financial risk because they're already validated. They have no risk because they've already been referring that business in, and they know there's an income stream, and I don't have to worry about retention because these are already clients they have done business with. So the personal relationship is already there. And so that's, that's how we bring producers in. I have a pipeline of producers Nonstop. I've got three licensed producers right now, ready to go. One, one, twenty twenty-three or twenty twenty-two, and so the cool part about that, there's a couple cool things about it. The first one is I can now build my, if I want to scale Florida risk into way more than what it is, I can take guys like Kyle and Raphael and other people in my organization and I can let them sit on top. I don't want to say pyramid scheme because it's not, but I can let them become sales leaders in the organization and they can go build those own channel relationships for them, recruit people the same way, bring them in, let them take them under their wing and give them an override for managing that process. I don't have to be involved. Look guys, that's the whole reason Killing Commercial exists. I had to get digital to be able to teach my process. Yep. I just yep. figured out how to monetize that too.
2: And I think the beautiful thing about what you're saying, whether it be recruiting, marketing, uh, or otherwise, if you're an agency principal and you're listening right now, you have to learn the process first before you can teach other people in your organization to do it as well. And I think that's something that's missed quite a bit
1: at age. That's why I do not have a recruiting process for service people, right? right. Cause I'm, <laughs> I'm terrible. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm, I, Look, when people ask me about operations and servicing, I am completely transparent. I'm a, I am a producer hundred yeah. Yeah. percent. I can't be both. Now, if all my, if my only job was to handle operations, obviously I can do that. I did it for the first 10 years of my adult right. life. That's not what I want to do. Yeah. So I'm not going to be the guy that teach. That's why I have total CSR, man. I outsource all of that to the Goodmans and let them teach my people how to handle the desk. Because yep. I, I would, they would fail miserably.
3: Right. You can't scale unless you have those things in place. And you're right, right. I mean, you have to know what you're doing. And that's why... You know with our, our relationship ryan was really good at that stuff right the operations side the service side and whatnot because i'm awful at it and and you know vice versa it's not he doesn't love doing this the sales side in a way have but uh i think that that idea by the way is awesome that i I'd never heard that uh approach before and you're absolutely right our structure is a little bit different on the agency side. I don't know if I would, I work for the way we do it, but it's given me a couple other ways to to think about it. Do you know why um, I freely share that? Because right?
1: I know that 85% of the people listening to this will never take the first step to make that happen in their agency. I can, I can be an generous. open book. <laughs> 85, is,
2: 85 is generous. <laughs> I would say Yeah, 95. I mean,
1: yeah. that's the I, thing that's crazy. People, you listen to these podcasts every single week. Yeah. We're an open book. And if you're not making these moves we, in your agency you know, to drive change, right? then that's on you. It's not on us, you know? I had an
3: agent. I still yeah. remember Nick, hearing Nick Ayers say that. You know, he said, "I'll I'll help the agent across the street because I know, you know, that 90% of them aren't going to do what I tell them or you know uh, share with them what, what we do. And even if they do, I still think we're going to be more consistent. We're still going to be able to to win, and there's still plenty of other business that we can go after. And and I, that's that stuck with me back when we first started our, our agency. We do the same thing because you know again, it's a it's abundance mentality. You don't have to think about. You know, they're always being, keep all my secrets because if I share with anybody, then, you know, I'm obviously not going to be successful if they're successful. That That isn't the way anybody should be thinking. No, yeah.
1: but unfortunately, that's the way the old guard thinks. And I mean, that's, it, it's an interesting situation that we're dealing with now because, you know, we're seeing all time high multiples on agencies. Yep. Some of these guys right. that haven't taken the time to, and ladies too, that haven't invested in their technology stacks, that are, you know, they don't have the data, they don't have a good succession plan in place you're not getting max value for your agency. And if you're not willing to collaborate with that group that's behind you coming in, it can't always be the way we've always done things. You have to open up your ears and listen. My 19 year old kid is in an office in the back right now. And anything that he says regarding the communication on social platforms and everything else, I'm all ears for that. Cause I don't know all of that. Like yeah. he does. But we have to be open-minded and think about that stuff. I'm not saying that you need to listen to every millennial in your operation and do every single thing they say, but you need to give them an ear and you need to be interactive in that dialogue and ask actual questions to show you understand what they're even telling you. And then you can make decisions as to whether or not you want to adopt that stuff. But I think that there are a lot of – and I'm a tweener, man. I'm not the old guard and I'm not the new guard. I'm kind of stuck in the middle based on my age. And I I just think that there's a lot of opportunity for guys like me that are progressive in our thought process, that watched the internet get built and all of the other things that we have right now, that we see those opportunities and we know, I'm smart enough to know that in 10 years, the world is not going to look like it looks right now from a technology standpoint. And I better be doing everything I can to learn as much as I can if I want to maximize my opportunities from that.
2: The thing we haven't seen in the market yet is the consumers driving the conversation of what they want in the independent channel. We haven't seen that yet, and it's coming. And once that comes, every agency that's still operating as they did 20, 30 years ago, because it still works, is going to, they're in for a rude awakening. Because again, the consumers are going to drive the innovation and what's necessary. We have not seen that yet. Mark my words. You know, this is this is the Gary Vandercheck moment. Mark, mark my words. Consumers will come in furiously to dictate what they're looking for when it comes to technology when they want to work with an agent. And if you are not at least understanding what's available, I'm not saying adopt every tool and, and gadget in, in the market. But if you don't at least understand where the business is going, you're you're in for a rude awakening. It's going to happen. Period.
3: I, I agree. And I think that that's why I get so excited about seeing what you guys are doing. You know, we look at the guys at Better Agency, what they're doing. We built out our platform on Salesforce. You know, people have different uh, you know, opinions of, of that one way or the other. But I think that as uh, a community or just the industry, we really started having to hold the uh, old guard of technology providers accountable and uh, carriers as well. To, to keep up with us, to be able to continue to push this forward. Because without that, I think it's going to be really hard for us to continue to do and provide the value that we have on the independent side, if they're not keeping up yeah, with us.
2: We're all, uh, Everyone's nipping at the data, everyone's nipping at the process, everyone's nipping at little corners of the legacy systems, the legacy carriers. And at some point, the dam's going to break where it's like, cool, we either yeah. adapt or we die. And I know that's very cliche, but it's the God honest truth. As the more and more people that keep nipping at these legacy systems and again, nipping at cool. these legacy carriers, it's going to
3: the dam will break for sure. Someone's going to see the opportunity because as an entrepreneur, I can see it. You know, I can see what's 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 coming and different things that are definitely causing problems. And there's people that are outside of our space that don't understand really the the true reason reasons for why some of these decisions are yeah. being made. They just don't understand. Like, well, why doesn't everybody have an API? Do they not know how to, how to create one? I mean, yeah. that seems pretty simple, but they don't understand all of the. You know, legacy, not even just the systems, the, just the the way of thinking at, at the uh, you know especially at the sea level um, with some of these carriers and the way that things are have been done, that until you change that mind shift that mindset and get them to understand the business case for where it is and why it is, and then get the ones that were willing to take the risk of being those first early adopters in certain things, It just it's not going it's not going to go. And we're starting to see that. and I'm sure Ryan, you probably can speak to that better than any of us of how these things go but it, it is a it's a struggle still to get them to you know, see where the market was five years ago, let alone where it's going to be in 10 years. Well, I
1: mean, API is a buzzword, right? It's no different than VA. VA was the buzzword like two years ago. And yet yeah. if you were going to be yeah. in the cool kids club, you better be talking <laughs> about a VA and having one and how you use it. And then that turned into complaining about VAs because nobody had processes to actually teach yeah. the VA what to do when they hired them. Yeah. And they just did it because everybody else was. API is the same way, man. All these people are throwing around API, API, API. I love listening to to it's, Ryan and oh, Rogov oh, oh, oh. from Tarmica talk about... <laughs> (laughs) like what actually has to happen. And like every single individual line of coverage per carrier has its own API. Yeah, and it it just, by the time (laughs) you start looking at all of the crap that goes into that, it's just insane. And I don't, look, I'm I'm relatively forward thinking in tech. I had no idea that it was that deep until I heard you guys explain that one time.
2: It's insane, man. We have one carrier, I've talked about him before. I wanna mention my name, they're a good partner for us, but They have an unlimited tech budget. They have an API for every single line of business, for every single state, for two different systems because they're migrating one to the other. And they each don't talk. So they're all separate. They're all different. They all need different dev. They all need different, uh, you know, specific ways that we integrate with them. They could be shut off at some point. They could be on at some point. It's, It's crazy. The depth of an API is so far beyond what people think it is. They think it's like a, a hotline. Hey, let me call the API hotline and get access. Yeah, like
1: It's, it's, it's the easy button, right? It's yeah. the easy button. No, I'll just get the That's API right. connection for that and everything will be taken care of.
2: Yeah. Any uh, agency yeah. owner going into 2022, I, I have one big recommendation. We've got two Gen Zs on our branding team here at Glovebox. Go talk to your Gen Zs if you know any at all and talk to them about insurance for 30 minutes. Step
1: one, meet Gen Z. They will blow <laughs> your
2: mind on what they think about insurance. It's it's hilarious what they think. I've learned so much from our Gen Zs here in Glovebox. It's been crazy. I was like, wow, you actually do think that? That's insane. Like It's so far beyond what I thought the industry was going to be in 10 years. Talk to them. They'll tell you what the industry is going to yeah. be in 10 years, and it'll show you the divide of where we're at right now. It's Crazy that's a good point. Yeah.
1: yeah. So that's a good segue, man. Before we wrap up, cause we've been, man, we could go all day. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind. What, um, what's on the forefront for golf box in 2022 and what's on the forefront for zip in 2022. And then I want both of you guys to make sure everybody knows how to get a hold of you before we wrap up. Go ahead, Zach.
3: Sure. Well, I'll, uh, say for us really, it's focusing on uh, continuing to build out our bond form library. You know, we're going to continue to focus on these different connections. We, we're open to connecting with anybody that, you know, it makes business sense to connect to. So, uh, we're going to continue to do that. And then hopefully, you know, uh, continue to build out the relationships we have with agents who really want to partner as, you know, basically a surety division of their agency, um, and help, you know, provide different ways of driving revenue and, you know, helping them take stuff off the, the desks of the people in their office that really don't want to do those, but that, that type of work.
1: Cool. where do they find you, man?
3: Uh, so I actually have my, some of my best conversations on insurance on Twitter. So it's just at Zach Mefford. Um, it's at it's, it's, it's Zach Mefford, at Zach.Mefford. I think it's just Zach Mefford. Z-A-C-H-M-E-F-F-E-R-D. Uh, also on LinkedIn, but uh, I'm probably most uh, engaged on Twitter. Are you
2: Twitter. open to Twitter beef, Zach, is my question. I, we always ask on cease and desist. I, <laughs> all right, what do you say? Are you I, open I to like Twitter beefs? Beef. Yeah, Twitter beefs. There's insurance Twitter yeah. beefs that go on. Oh, so. I know. <laughs>
1: I know. Uh,
3: they're, they're, I won't name them right now, but if they're listening, they know who they are. There's a couple that I like to get into it with every now and then, and sometimes I have to make sure I take it off and be like, you understand, like, I disagree with you, but I still <laughs> love you, right? Like, I'm not, you know, and you can always tell it, like, the Friday or Saturday night, you know, when it's like, oh, you know, how many drinks deep are they right now before they start they saying what out they're, they're actually <laughs> yeah. well, we have we have
1: it. a podcaster's thread on Facebook Messenger that's got, like, me, Scott, Bradley, Cass, Hanley. Um, Heath, Sharon, like, so we're all like in this deep group going back and forth. There's one particular gentleman that none of them love that apparently like, I'm not on Twitter at all. I know exactly I, what I, you're I,
2: talking I, about, by the way. I'm not going to say, I know, I know, How yeah, I? I know
1: you guys <laughs> do. And it just, it blows my mind. I, I'm thinking to myself, it's a really good thing. I'm not on Twitter. Cause I'm cut from the cloth that if you said something to me on Twitter, I'm not going to respond to you on Twitter. I'm going to buy a first class ticket up to wherever you live. And I'm gonna whip that ass. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's how. That's how yeah, I think. I know what you're talking about. I'm not gonna say. Yeah, I'm not gonna say what it is whatnot. But I mean, it's just every single time you see it, I don't. I don't even have to read it yet. I can just see the image, and I'm like, okay, I can't wait to see how how we're gonna turn this into something that's not positive or have you, you know, whatever. So. It's, uh, yeah, and the thing is, I have no beef with
1: this about. person. Like, I've I've interacted a few times, and I've I have had never had a beef. Don't get me wrong, I'm not on Twitter, but it just seems like it's habitual, man. So the the Twitter beef is real. Like, it's hilarious. That's, man. that's a we real deal, man.
2: Insurance Twitter beef, like there is rap beefs. Like, it's kind of <laughs> like the
1: uh, gang fight scene from Anchorman, right? <laughs> yeah, yep.
2: exactly. All right. It's Kill the guy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I think you should lay low, man. <laughs> Nice.
1: Uh, So what's going on with Glovebox 2022 besides the One City World Tour, which I'm happy to be a part of?
2: Yep, One City World Tour. Uh, It'll be old
1: news by the time this podcast drops.
2: Man, January 19th, it's already sold out. So if you missed out, you missed out. We'll do it again. Hopefully Uh, getting Bradley and Scott out in the wild is going to be something unique. If you haven't met Scott Howell, uh, he's the Bill Belichick of the uh, insurance business. He wears no sleeves ever. So, I'm looking forward to seeing him sleeveless in De- uh, Denver in January. So that'll be good. But uh, no, man, glovebox, we're honestly, we're a duck on the pond right now. you You see, you know where where we're at right now, people have no idea what we're creating underneath the the water. Uh, we've got I'm up to thirteen developers now that are spinning up some crazy. can I curse on this crazy shit? Um, yeah, yeah, we are creating some crazy shit right now. Um, we're finally launching commercial in Q1, uh, which is going to be amazing. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the rest, but we are creating some cool stuff, man. We we are firm believers in Glovebox can be an ecosystem that brings the carriers and the agent closer to the client than ever before. And so we're going to be open API at some point. We're going to allow you know, and, and work with people like you, Zach, to bring in your capabilities, and let agents really customize the experience that they want to bring to their clients. We're not, we're not selfish. I don't want to build it if I can partner on it. Um, but our well, ecosystem is going to grow significantly in 2022. You guys are going to see, uh, really, what we've been creating in our minds for a while. It's going to come to fruition, which we're excited about. So
3: love it can't wait to see that uh, yeah that's the
1: whole thing that's crazy man is because people are going to look at what you've done right now and be like wow these guys are really revolutionary but you're literally seeing like the tip of the pinky finger at this point it's not anything close and i mean i'm certainly not privy to everything you're doing behind the scenes i know things that we've talked about on you know offline before that you have have said were coming up and i mean that alone it, it i just really really wish and i mean this sincerely i really wish that my peer group adopted technology much better than what they do. I've, I've been saying this for years now. We have adopters, we have adapters, and we have do-nothings. The adopters are the people who are they're, – they're me, man. I'll, I'll take whatever opportunity I think I see. I'll seize it. If I don't – if it's not going to work, I'll cut bait and move on, but I'll never miss an opportunity because I'm always quick to jump adapters are the people who waited until after COVID already hit but realized they probably needed to go ahead and get a webcam and then they went to amazon it was gone yeah and then the do nothings just did nothing they just locked the front door and hoped for the best yeah. you know and i think that that's sad for our industry because i feel like the people who do absolutely nothing are the overwhelming majority yeah they still have filing cabinets you know it, here's here's the thing most of our peer most of my peer groups, like the people that i hang with the closest we can't even comprehend that an agency runs in 2021 with no agency management system. You're not. If in there's business. a ton of them out there. If you're not in
2: business if you don't have an AMS system. Period. That's like our first conversation.
3: Or a CRM, you know, and be, be able to have them talk to each other. That would be uh, that'd be too much to ask for, right? But yeah. Well, I mean, that's
1: like the that's like the arms race right now. Whoever can come out with that, I mean, I think say what you want about agency zoom. You know, I I know that there are people on both sides of the fence. I'm agnostic. I don't, I don't have any beef. We've had cat on the podcast. I I think that by Vertifor making that decision in that acquisition that put them in the, in the front runner's seat, in my opinion, to be the first one to hit it. And you guys know I'm an investor in better agency, Yeah. but I feel better agency doesn't have the capital Vertifor has. Yep. Right. And so not well, yet, not yet, but it's, it's, I, it's, capital, I'm
2: really... it's capital versus speed to market, and I think that's what Better Agency has an advantage at. Is they they have speed to market.
3: Um, so. Well, I also think that they do a really good job of asking questions of people to actually sit in the shoes doing the the actual work, and I can't speak to anything specifically the agency Zoom that I don't know much about that, but. That's one of the approaches uh, that I really appreciate about what they they've done, and I think again, you talk about the arms race. Well, it depends on what you mean by it got there. You know, uh, is there a company that has an AMS with a CRM connected to it? Well,
1: you're, yeah, they're that, they're there right exists. now. By all accounts, people probably thought that Epic with the Salesforce integration was going to happen, and everybody I've talked to that tried to do that said it's an absolute disaster.
2: We tried to do it with AMS three hundred and sixty well, at our agency, and it was a disaster. So.
3: We actually spent a day and a half at Applied Systems trying to talk about how when they initially uh, purchased uh, Tekinary, on how we can make that work and, and try to figure that out. And I, I that's a, I could do a whole podcast yeah. on that experience. But so it, what does that mean, though? And I think, again, it's what Ryan said. We, we need to be able to give agencies uh, it, the tools to be able to do business in a way that they want to be able to do it so that their agency to customize to what they want. That's the beauty of our space. You can do things so much so much differently, and they yeah. all still work. But our technology needs to be able to allow us to tailor how we do things uh, on that side as Just well. Just know
2: that what we're creating is um what we feel like is a better way to do business in the independent channel. We are truly merging the direct to consumer technologies with the independent channel capabilities into a single ecosystem and we firmly believe there's a better way to do business and that's what we're putting out. So 2022 is going to be a big year for us.
1: Well, I think what exactly. I appreciate the most about you guys is the fact that you collaborate with other people in tech now and in insure tech, right? You're not going to try and be all things to all people. And nope. I equate that in my own experience to the guys that are DOD contractors that manufacture flight simulators, for example you've got 10 different vendors that are all bidding on the same contract. It's awarded to one of them as the general and then they immediately go back and hire the other nine to do what their area of expertise is in the general project. So you're kind of competitors, but you're not really because you're all gonna get a piece of the pie. It's just who's gonna get the biggest piece of the pie. My comments about Vertifor and um, agency Zoom, have absolutely nothing to do with who i think is working harder and working smarter and all of that it has everything to do with the fact they have unlimited money right now i hope you know my, my who i'm pulling for is better agency 100 percent for both financial and sentimental reasons i mean i really like the people that started the company or are running it and i invested money into it so i obviously want to see them succeed and i hope that they can get there i think that what they do that's a blessing in terms of listening to everybody can also be a curse because when you listen to everybody everybody expects you to take action on that yep. and as a startup you know and, and technically they're still a startup you know they they can't go every single different direction just because somebody told them to
3: jump. And that, that makes a PR nightmare. And just. That, that's true. But how many times do technology people come in from outside of the space and try to fix it from a technology side in instead of from an agency side out? I agree. Out? That's yeah, all I Yeah, meant. no, you know, I agree with you 100%. You know, the everyday problems as it sits, you know, at this desk, you know, writing insurance. Like, that's what so many technology companies have failed to do is understand actually what it's like to, you know, uh, sell well, insurance. Well, there's people or, inside or the process. space
2: that don't understand what it takes to sell insurance. So. <laughs> and I, no,
3: but, me I mean, those, I, I agree with Zach. I mean, the fact
1: that they have their user group, their Facebook user group, I'm in there. Yeah. Um, I don't ever really get involved on anything unless I'm tagged with a question or whatever. But I do watch. And I mean, very, very active, and you know, completely transparent in how they do that. So if they can, if they can maintain that code of conduct, they're going to be just fine. Yeah, because they're always a, going to have a happy constituency.
2: There's a segment of the market for everyone, and that's the important part to know. Like we don't, we're not looking to get hundred percent of the market. Ninety five percent is fine. Um, but yeah. We're not looking to get a hundred. I just know that we've got we've got some really exciting stuff coming in 2022. We're excited to announce it. We're very focused on feature sets in 2022. This year has been all about infrastructure for us. We built a lot of backend that people have not seen. Now we're really setting the table to explode on our feature sets in 2022. So it's, it's going to be exciting. Yep. Get out of the foundation, though, before you can make it, we have built you know, a very painfully. Uh, thought out process of backend infrastructure this year. And it is beautiful, (laughs) but nobody sees it. You haven't seen it yet. Same.
3: (laughs) I can feel your pain. I mean, not to your level, but I definitely understand what that's like. Well, cool
1: deal. Listen, guys, I got to wrap up because I got a one o'clock. I got to jump on. I appreciate you coming on. So everybody who is listening to this, have a great week. See ya.
0: You've been listening to the power producers podcast.